You're listening to the Ecological Podcast, all about our positive partnerships with horses and other animals through work and play. Your hosts are Rebecca Bayliss from Little Green Stables and Kate Blackmore from Ecological Positive Partnerships. Just wanted to add a quick apology for the first 10 minutes of this recording as you have a lot of parrot noises in the background and some parrot munching going on. But it does go, she does leave us. So apologies for that and I hope it doesn't put you guys off. Anyway, enjoy the podcast. Today we're talking about separation anxiety, which affects horses just as much as it does dogs. But I think Quite often in the mainstream equestrian world, we don't really recognise it as much. I think it's more so in the positive reinforcement world that we recognise it. We are in the bird room. Kate has got Pito the Amazon on her hand, so she's not allowed to move. (laughs) I'm so happy right now. (laughs) And um, and Scorp is on his cage. Um, doing a little dance at the moment. Anyway, so we've had a great session with Rum today. We had some, not setbacks as such, but some areas that we really need to work on a little bit more. We were working on some rain cues left and right, and that does need some work. We realised that we do need to go back and revisit some of the early behaviours, so we're going to be focusing on doing that quite, or I am going to be focusing on doing that in between my sessions with Kate, um, because they just when you don't use them all the time and you progress you realize how diluted they get and so we need to get them stronger again so I will be doing that in the meantime but we also did some rain work and some bitting work with the bridle and that's coming on really well isn't it yeah yeah we're really chuffed with that he's doing lovely and yeah those behaviors that are really like your grounding and behaviors the fundamental ones like standing still and stuff like that they can get a little bit lost when you're focusing on more complex behaviours and stuff. So it is really good to just keep revisiting them. And also, you know, using that kind of random reward as well. Mm. Like, you know, walk on, for example, that you were doing with Rum. Yeah. Even though he knows walk on, because the behaviour was slipping slightly where he would walk out before you get the cue, um, if you go back and you do randomly reward that walk on every now and then it would hopefully mean that the behavior just stays the same yes so not assuming once you have a behavior that you never reward for it again no absolutely go back every now and then because it just keeps them more motivated yeah absolutely and it's like achieving anything isn't it once you achieve something yeah, it's really great to have that achievement, but then you do it again and again and again and again and again. It's nice to have a, a bit of a reward the sixth time or yeah. the eighth time, you know. And yeah. so, it, absolutely, I think with your children we do it and with our dogs, obviously, we do it. And it's important to do it with the horses too. So, she's chatting away. I know. <laughs> I know. You can be animated. I know Kate's quite Kate's, Kate, Kate's containing herself, which is not very difficult for Kate because she normally her hands go everywhere and her body goes everywhere and the passion comes out. I'm an enthusiastic person, <laughs> and, and uh, she's sitting very still. So it's yeah, it's quite quite um, quite strange. Do you so know what I think she's saying, I think she's saying food, right? Probably Where's, she oh, is. Food, I know, darling, but we've got a podcast to do. Okay. You sit and listen and learn some stuff. She'll probably fly off in a minute. Separation anxiety, okay? I'm talking to her, right. (laughs) (laughs) So separation Um, anxiety. Yeah, so for those, um, I think everybody knows what separation anxiety is, but it's um, anxiety provoked by separation from... Uh, friends on and herd members basically mm. but what does that look like and you know you can have varying scales of separation anxiety depending on the history and unfortunately you know we do practice very abrupt weaning uh you know practices six months mm. they you know if you look into it it's not the best way it's done a lot of horses are their foals are just taken away straight away and they're put by themselves into another stable and they a have lot to of mares sort are it out too yeah i know i have got a client she lovely polly the ex racehorse and she went into being a brood mare and <clears throat> she was at this stud 
and the new owner went to collect her and she got her on the lorry and she was dripping with milk. When she got back, the lorry was covered in milk. So they literally must have taken her away from her baby that morning, yeah. popped her in a stable, waited for the new owner. She, the new owner, who's lovely, popped her on the lorry, had no, no knowledge of this, just assumed that the weaning had been done, arrives home and Polly is just, all her milk's just dripping out of her. I mean, how awful is that? So new home, plus being ripped away. Now she does have, interestingly, I'm, I'm quite, you can, you can clearly see why she does have separation anxiety. She really struggles when her field mate leaves, she weaves, she starts to sort of stable spin. And you can understand why. And that's not her fault. That's just she's landed in her new home and attached herself to the next horse she sees. Yeah. You know, so, so sad. Has she pooed on you? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was like, it's fine. It is part, it's of, the, part of the process. Um, it's good luck. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and actually, I was reading this thing about practices with racehorses, with foals and how they manage that. And so to kind of combat that, the separation anxiety, but it doesn't, in theory, work very well, I, if you look at it from a behavioural and neurological point of view, um, is that they will take the foal away and put it with another horse in another stall and then take it away after that and put it with another horse and then take it away and put it with another horse. The oh. idea is getting it used to you will always leave and go okay. to another horse. It's like baptism I think theory, of fire, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we're, most people when they have horses, you know, you're working against the fact that they have been weaned abruptly and that has caused like neurological um, mm. gaps for the foal in the mm. foal's development so you know attachment theory which we can do a podcast on is is a massive massive thing and um so you know always bearing in mind that um even the the you know most non-troubled of horses will be having that experience when they're younger and also you know horses are herd animals okay mm. so for them it's written in their survival scripts in their very DNA, that um, safe when a foal is born, you know it is written in the survival script. Get to your feet, be around your mum, yeah. be around your herd. This means safety. Yeah. This means I'm going to survive. This means I'm not going to die. You know, in the natural environment, they don't just go off by themselves. And so that is the fundamental safety is the fundamental number one need of a horse. And so when we separate them, of course, we're going to get uh, separation anxiety. And the sad thing is, is that a lot of people believe that it is easier to not keep horses together to avoid mm. separation anxiety at all. But the thing is, if you're not going to keep your horse with any other horses, it's going to have that stress in it because it's not in a herd anyway so I don't in my opinion you know it's not necessarily it's just a different type of stress yes you've not got yeah. separation anxiety but you've got other painful issues because your horse is not you know in a herd and, yes you know okay we know that the most um the best thing is to keep horses together but you know the next best thing would be another animal like a sheep or something if you really can't do that just up the road um are uh, is a is a grey on her own and she has a goose that keeps oh. her company and the, they're always together so the goose and the um, grey are always together and when me and Nick Nick I must try and get a picture because it's very very cute um, so wherever they are wherever one of them is the other one is so they're always together and I think you're right I think you do get I've got a, a, a lovely Frisian on my books called Bjorn and he lives with two goats Oh. Uh, because she hasn't got the space she's only got the space for him he's a big big boy and he lives with the goats and the goats chew his tail which isn't ideal oh. but but because he's so they keep his, it short <laughs> not really <laughs> they just do it like mishmashy which is a shame because he's very beautiful but but it's you're right if you can't if it can't be another horse it can be another animal which is not great but it but it's the next best it's thing it's the next best thing what I you know what is interesting is that with my herd of five I have two out of those five that I would say visibly I can see suffer with separation anxiety. The other three, however, don't seem to. So 
Can that be down to personality or can that... It can be down to personality, it can be down to breed and it can be down to historical experiences. Yes. So, um, which two of yours are... Archie must be... No, no. Archie does not suffer from separation anxiety at all. Okay. Neither does Patch and neither does Rum. My two that do are Jim and Flan. Interestingly, they are the two that are in charge, I suppose, if that's what want of a better word. Um, so Jim definitely is the leader with food, no one messes with him kind of thing, but they kind of turn to him for other things. And then I would say the second one would be Flan. So Jim, I know his history because he came yeah. from Conquest. So he started at, and I don't know before the previous riding school he was at Conquest, but I know... Before we had Jim, we took Freddie, who was his pair bond. We didn't know this at the time. We knew they were friends. We didn't know they were pair bonded. But um, Freddie was sold to us because he'd come to the end of the time for them. And um, so Jim would have experienced the loss of Freddie. And then he's been moved from Conquest, his herd there, and he's come here and settled in herd. So he's already had a couple of homes. So obviously, you know, he would have been through that separation anxiety. Mm. So that's probably why you're seeing it more on him. Whereas Flan, I don't know Flan's history. No, I mean, I've had Flan for 10 odd years. And he, but when we had him, his and his previous owner, he was kept with another horse, just one. And she, I remember her saying, he can't be on his own, he can't be on his own. So um, he's, he has always had company. Yeah. Um, but he gets very... So he, so my guys are out all the time. They have an access to a stable or undercover, but they're not stabled as such ever in, individually. Um, but if And it also it depends on who leaves. So if Jim leaves, he doesn't care if Jim leaves... But if Patch leaves, and if Patch and Rum leave together, then Flan gets quite worked up about it. As in, he will pace the field and wait. You know, he doesn't okay, yeah. sprint around, he doesn't do cartwheels, he doesn't seem overly, overly threshold, but he's kind of watching and waiting for us, and he might do a bit of pacing up and down. That does stop, but when we come back in sight, he will call yeah. and say, hello, come back. You yeah, know, yeah. so it's really interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. That sensitivity, that he is quite sensitive and Jim's quite sensitive. The others don't seem to give a monkeys, which no. is odd. And so, yeah, so what does separation anxiety look like? So for you, you just said in Flan, it's that pacing field line. Mm. What, how does Jim show his? Jim, interestingly, Jim, so... Again, Jim isn't stabled, so his would be stood waiting, stood in one spot, mm-hmm. just waiting. Staring. So yeah, so it's when we leave, he's stood over the fence, staring at us going, and then when we come back, quite often he's in the same place. Um, now he did go from me just to help a friend out a couple of doors down when her horse died. Sadly, he went there for um, just a month or so. No, it was actually a bit longer than that. It must have been a couple of months just to bridge a gap, which. In hindsight, I would never do again, but because it, it messed with Jim, you know? Yeah. I, but I was doing it as a favour for a friend and she was in a bit of a spot. So that's what we did. And actually, it must have been quite awful for Jim because his field that he lives in now bordered their field, so he would have seen all his mates but not been able to get to them. Yeah. And he was stabled there, and she went out on her other horse for a ride and left Jim in the stable and he actually broke part of the stable. And we think probably because he was a little bit stressed. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And being in a stable and being left as well without the ability to kind yeah. of like dissipate and, and walk off that stress as well was probably quite... Yeah. difficult for him yeah so yeah which is probably why now he has a bit more of a, a yes well. again it's not it's not um when you look at it it's not massively over threshold you know it's not like polly where polly will weave and and sort of box walk it's not like that but it's definitely a i'm standing here i'm a bit frozen i'm waiting for you to come back she just gave you, yeah, Peter the parrot, just gave Kate a no. <laughs> I don't know what she 
she's right like a, in my face. It's like a little growl, isn't it? She does a little <laughs> like that. So yeah. Okay, cool. So um, what else? So there's varying scales. So mm. um, sweating is yes. also um, another. So increased defecation. So passing. Oh, poo stress more. poo. Yeah, yeah, stress poo. Passing. Um, and that would kept, could frequently. be quite runny, I suppose. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And that will kind of tell you the level of stress. Um, They've got increased vigilance, so they're not eating and drinking because they're just watching out. That calling, which is unmistakable. <laughs> the parrot's walking over what we're recording on. Um, which is unmistakable, um, which is that real, like, shrill, high call mm. that we all know. You know, their, their head's high up, the ears are alert. It's mm. just, like, classic stress that are going on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which we have seen and hear sometimes don't we well we have a horse that's <laughs> near us that's on its own constantly and she does a lot of that doesn't yeah, she yeah. and like you said in that i think you said in the last podcast it's really interesting because we you know the the person who isn't horsey sees that ear prick and that um you know that noise and they're like wow look at that beautiful horse and they're not recognizing that that horse is in real stress and do you know why that is as well i mean obviously it's the media you know we see these beautiful horses as these horse it's snowing it is snowing. <laughs> we're in the southwest and it's snowing that's and it's crazy an um so um you know trotting along really high head carriage you know you we is gripped, yeah, yeah, tension everywhere. Yeah. But that is like the de- definition to a lot of people, and that's what the media have made into horses being, you know, really great. And actually, from a very young age, Disneyfied, yeah. It's been Disney-fied. And if you think of like the toys that you get, you know, the plastic toys you yeah, get of horses, yeah. they are all like tails up, car- you know, holding yes. their tails, heads up. So even from kids, we're being fed this kind of like subliminal message that this equals. A good, you know, looking horse. This is how horses should look. It's like the alert Arab look, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Constantly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, I wouldn't want to get on one of those horses. No, me like neither. Like, Thank you. They like an energy conserve. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, apart from we talk a lot about stress and the implications it has on a physiological mm. level, but apart from that as well, you know, if you are, don't recognise these signs and then go to train a horse, you, you can't train a horse that has that much stress. It won't learn because mm-hmm. it's not in the right, you know, it's in a sympathetic nervous system. It's that fright and fly, mm. where um, fight and fly, whereas we want that more calmness so we mm. can open up those mm. learning pathways basically so how do we how do we help with the separation anxiety and how yeah so um <clears throat> just one more thing training. to yeah, tell sorry. if it's that if it is a good way to really know and diagnose if it's separation anxiety and nothing else is if the horse calms down as soon as you bring the other horse back Then you know it's separation anxiety because it could be other stuff. And, you know, I kind of want to say on this podcast what we're talking about today is we're going to talk about really general stuff around separation anxiety. But, you know, um, if you feel that you have a problem, always seek out a behaviourist to to help you. So we're giving Mm. general guidance here. Mm. Um, Because every horse is an individual. Every horse is an individual. And every human is. Yeah. Exactly. And the setups are different too because... You know, we notice with Rum that he actually prefers to train without the equine audience. So yes. he likes it. He likes to come to me and you. I think we're and, like that though, <clears throat> Becky, as well. Well, we are a little bit like that. But he likes to come to us and the other horses can go away. He yeah. doesn't want them. He wants them not to watch because he's like, actually, I'm in this zone and this is what I need. And I do think there's a little bit of the resource guarding going on there, which is absolutely fine because we get much better training when he is away from them. Now, we have had to train, obviously, in the field before with them around. We do have circumstances where we're training in the school and the others are in the yard. It does add, uh, for Rum, it adds a little bit of attention. Mm-hmm. But for other horses, it would add a lot of confidence, wouldn't it? So it is, again, that whole individuality. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, can, I, I agree with all of that. And... You know, there are some important factors into why we need to resolve separation anxiety. Mm. You know, if you leave it, it can cause, you know, illness, potentially colic, 
you know, with those ulcers. levels of stress, ulcers, um, and, you know, the bond... And stereotypic behaviours, you yeah. know, you'll get that. I mean, I think ulcers are the biggie, you know, if you've got any type of stress and that horse can't eat yeah. because it's stressed, because let's face it, that is one of the things that they're just fixated, they just don't eat, yeah. and they're stressing as well. So not like Jim, who's just kind of staring into space... You know, he can, he can afford to not eat for a little bit. <laughs> but, but you've got a high-end, you know, eventer, or, the, or Polly, who's, who she does event. She's actually retired now, but she did event. So she's a stress head. I'm probably convinced that she might have had ulcers when she arrived mm. from all that stress. You know, it's very common. And the thing with Jim is, you know, the important part is that you've recognised that he does go through some stress when you go out. So you try to minimise mm. that in the way that you manage them. Mm. Um, so there's lots of things that you can do. So first of all, recognising it is the number one step and going, okay, right. And actually this comes a little bit, we decided to do this podcast because of Matthew and Solo, didn't we? Yeah, with because Daisy. we think that, which if anyone remembers, these are the guys where... Um, we, uh, we, showed, we shared a video, didn't we, as well? It was about introducing two new horses. But Solo has been through separation anxiety before. So um, this is kind of what made us think, you know, it would be a good idea to talk about this. Um, so I'm going to talk about, okay, well, the horse that's left in the field and then the horse that is going out. Because mm. obviously there's lots of different scenarios. So I can't just give like, like this is what you should do. Mm. So it's just like giving you more knowledge around the subject so that you, you are able to apply a bit more of that. And are, are we talking mainly about horses that are in twos? Because that's quite, that's that, the most yeah, common, yeah. isn't it? Even though I've got a herd of five and my five will have different stages of separation anxiety so even getting more horses doesn't mean that you solve the separation anxiety thing no which is important yeah and also if you know if you do have more than one horse and you have one but you have one horse that is really severely experiencing separation anxiety then that's going to be a historical thing and that's when you need to get a behaviorist in mm. because that's what they need to work through and they'll ask so many questions about history and stuff and then they will come up with a plan but um so that's really important um Rachel Dravma yes. who wrote um Scent Work for Horses and uh, Calming Signals really really good books if you haven't got them read them they're fantastic they, they are really good, really good um so what she does for separation anxiety i don't know if you saw this which is she color she uses a traffic light system yes i've seen it in her book yeah, yeah. so if we're talking about i can't get over the snow becky it's just <laughs> really it's crazy. crazy my kids are going to be going crazy at home um so she color quote what she does is she'll take an aerial map of the the fields where the horses are, the stables, the person's house, like wherever that horse has to go in that home environment. And then she will traffic like system that. So green will be like, okay, the field shows no separation anxiety, but when it gets to the stable, maybe that goes to an amber and then there's a little lane and then that will go to red. Mm. So just identifying the comfort zones of your horse, you know, are there any areas where... Um, your horse feels more uh, feels safer because if you're working starting at that point it's a lot easier because you know okay well this is where they need to be because mm. maybe they don't feel that in the field maybe they only feel that when they're in the yard area or something like that so let's imagine that we've got two horses in the field okay and you want to take one out for a hack the one left in the field is the one that's experiencing separation anxiety. Because that is usually that way round. Yes. I know it's not always, but it's usually that way round. Yeah. Can you explain why it's usually that way round? Um, well, I guess they're the ones being left. And if we take, for example, um, you know, your training with rum and you saying rum will come in and leave the herd, you know, also, that's to do with these this really great bond that you have. Mm. He sees you as one of his herd members because you've really got to know him. You do enrichment. You do horse stuff with him that he enjoys. So you'll you'll use that seeking system with him. You'll walk, stop, forage, walk, stop, forage. So he starts... That's how his herd mates act. Yes, so he starts... Yeah. So he involves you in that circle of comfort. He has lots of... 
um, positive associations with you. He knows you're not going to move him on too mm-hmm. fast or stress him out or do anything like that so he feels safe with you. Mm-hmm. So I expect that could be why a lot of people, because the horse going away is doing work or knows they're going out to have a nice hack or... Do you know what yeah, I mean? And yeah. it's the other one that, that gets left behind. And then, you know, if they're in a field... What they got to do in that field as well? Where are the distractions? Mm. And so that's one of the first things is having a really enriched space when you're going to take the other horse away, mm. so that that horse has something. So basically, it's like you know any training that we do is really really small steps, but if you put the effort in and you do it consistently, then you will reap the rewards later on. Um, there's no quick fixes with separation anxiety. So, you know, anybody that says that they can solve it like that, I mean, I'm intent not to believe them and you're mm. going to cause more damage. Um, some people, trainers, advise you just, you just do it really quickly and abruptly and just, just let the other horse figure it out. But then you can lead to having shut down horses and stuff. And it's just, it's just not very nice either. Mm. So, okay, so you're in the field and you've got two. Now, it could be that simply by putting the head collar on the other horse could be the trigger for the horse that's in the field. So you need to be really, like, observant of what is going on. When do you see that first level of tension? Because we don't want to work past that. Yes. Yeah, to start off with. So... Horses are nice and relaxed, so you're going over with the head collar. Watch the other horse as you approach the horse you're taking out with the head collar. If you see head come up, head carriages as higher than usual is, or maybe they're a bit more focused on you than normal, then you know that's your starting point. So you go over with the head collar, you wouldn't even put the head collar on, wait there for a minute, and then walk away. You don't take the horse away. Yeah. Okay. So the other horse is getting used to the idea that, you know, okay, she's just coming in with the head collar. We can, once you are able to do that and the other horse isn't showing any signs of stress, you can move on to the next mm. step, which might be picking the head collar on. So these are really small steps, yeah. but you're kind of cueing calm. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going in, you're going, I recognize that stress, I'm taking a step back. Yeah. Once I get calm, I'll go. I can almost, you could cue it maybe, you could cue the calm and yeah. then you could maybe go to the next step. Yeah. But you're waiting for that calm. Yeah. yeah. I'm not really clicking and reinforcing no, no. either. It's kind of um, just getting the horse, you know, habituating it to the fact mm. that, you know, I'm coming in with the head collar and then you put the head collar on and then wait until the other horse is fine with that so you know these would be very short sessions over a period of time but you could do quite a few of you could move quite quickly with them couldn't you short sessions well, dep- but yeah dependent on the other horse I yes guess. yeah each is going to be different for every horse depends mm-hmm. how where they are on the scale of separation anxiety so you've got the head collar on and you know the other horse is, is kind of all right I always make sure that you know there's some some food they're foraging a little bit or they're doing something they're not just stood in the field Mm. um and then you would literally lead the other horse a step maybe you could go a couple more steps depending on the other horse and how they're going but what's really important as soon as you see that sign of stress you you, that's your limit yeah and then you work your way slowly towards the gate Mm. yeah but always then returning the horse the horse mm. always comes back so the idea is really if you think about the behaviors when today we were looking at rum and how we want to um increase the duration for him holding the bucket in his mouth the little rubber bucket yeah mm. so it's a bit it's a bit like that we're increasing duration mm. but the reward is the horse will always come back yes yeah yeah so you don't need a food reward then because the reward is the horse comes back yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Yeah. As long as you're working under that stress, Threshold, because as yeah. well, it's very difficult. You're one person; it's hard to reward the other horse mm, and the horse mm. that you've got. So I generally tend mm. not to do any kind of um, clicker training around this. This is more mm. like a habituation thing. Um, so you're working towards the gate, and then when you get to the gate, maybe then you just open the gate, close the gate, horse comes back, and then you get onto the other side of the gate. 
And so you work your way up, mm. yeah, very, very mm. small steps. If you find that goes, it's not going quite to plan, go back a few steps because you've probably gone too far too fast. Um, and then you're working towards getting them to a place where they are out of sight and you're staying under threshold the whole time. So if you are taking the horse um, and I would suggest when you are going to take it for the first time out of sight, I would make sure that there's something that the horse is foraging. So you've put a load of cleavers in or and then chuck some pony nuts in or so it's really using its seek the other horse is using its seeking system. It's all that doing that and then would you let that horse watch the other horse leave? Well, only if he's not showing any signs of stress. Yeah. So he's going to see the horse. We can't, we can't, like, not let him see that. But the idea is that he won't be stressed by yes, it by then. Yes, yeah. So you're giving him a lot of enrichment in his field whilst you take the other one out. So he's preoccupied but aware that the horse is going. Yeah, yeah. but by then he should feel confident that yeah. that horse is coming back. So then you go out of sight and you talk in like a second, depending on what's come back into sight. And then maybe go out of sight again for like a couple more seconds, come back into sight. And then you just build that duration. And then once you feel that, you know, the other horse is okay with them being out of sight, you then can go just a little bit further, a little bit further, mm. a little bit further. And then it increases to the fact that you can then go out and your horse knows that they're always going to come back. Yeah, I can see I can see how difficult that it is, is yeah. for people because it's so time consuming mm -hmm. and a lot of us have not got a lot of time, have we? So yeah. I can but see how you, that, that can be quite frustrating for us as a as a human to element. kind of yeah, implement. Absolutely. Really. But I guess if you're looking at in time versus money, you know, you will have broken fences and stuff if you don't tackle the problem it'll mm. only get worse it'll mm. only cause problems um and you know it can be a nice it can be a nice bonding exercise for you and the other horse as well and yeah it does take longer but you know that's in so, the long that's run. Just yeah life. yeah Sometimes no i get it i get it and then you're avoiding any more you know you you if they get ulcers and mm. you know if they collect or anything at least you can um you know you're paying for those vet bills yes yeah i think if you've got another person that can come and chill out with that horse i know that this is like an ideal situation mm. but if you've got a number two human that can come and i would give that horse a scratch or give that horse a feed or just sit and be with that other horse that's left mm. alone that could be quite helpful can't it yeah or like having an object i was thinking this is off the top of my head but some kind of object that means okay this is the training we're, we're doing that training where i take the other horse but i bring it back yeah okay. yeah but you just have to be get so it may be like a really big bucket that you I don't know that you have loads of stuff in but you always use the same bucket so mm. they know the only thing that you have to be a little bit careful of is that that doesn't become a trigger yes but yeah. oh there's the bucket that means she's taking it away so that's why I said you know this is just general advice but mm. you you really need help or advice from a behaviourist. So yeah. You can do that on Zoom or whatever, or you can contact us. Yeah, <laughs> no, you absolutely. Have a problem and because it all does depend on on the the type of horse. Yeah, and we see that with um, dogs a lot in that they recognise what's happening is then what's happening. So a great example is firework thunder and fireworks. So a lot of dogs get scared of the thunder and the fireworks. So people have these wonderful thunder jackets that they put their dogs in. And our Labrador, Ziggy, has a thunder jacket, which does work well. But you put that thunder jacket on and he's shaking, but the thunder and the fireworks haven't started because yeah. he's now associated the jacket with fear of that it's coming so yeah, it's been it, like yeah. classically conditioned to be a trigger so you have to be really careful that if you're using that same toy or that same object or that same reward even could be couldn't it yeah or if you're just using that one thing for every time that that situation is going to happen then 
that yeah you it could become the trigger yeah but it's a bit like the head collar you know as well like exactly that could be so yeah. so really really being observant. you're wearing a riding hat you know you're wearing anything yeah. like that it's, it, it's amazing how again going back to i know we did the patterns um podcast but the patterns that they pick up on our behavior watching they're watching us all the time and observing us all the time mm -hmm. and we really don't take enough notice of of that because they might even recognize the head collar you know mine have different head collars so flam's got a red head collar you know so you know that you might they might go oh it's the red head collar i know that's flam's yeah. i'm sure they're aware of that i'm yeah. sure they are and also um like even just going to the gate might become a trigger so mm. say you've done you have a routine where you do your stuff in the morning and you do exercise, ride your horse, whatever you do. And then it's in the afternoon when you do these sessions. So then simply by you arriving at the gate, that mm. can become a trigger because mm. that becomes this like secondary reinforcer where they're like, oh my God, okay, this is what this means. So really, really working at that low level is, is really important. Um, so yeah, so... Um, like I said, keep the other horse busy and keep their seeking system uh, going. Um, we have a conquest. Um, we had some horses that were dealing with different types of, uh, well, with separation anxiety, but they all had different backgrounds and stuff. So we had some horses when you're taking them away um that they wouldn't want to go so they would they would plant their head would be a little bit higher they're a little bit worried so they don't like want to leave yeah, yeah because because we created this herd <laughs> so what we did is we we um broke down all the stables and just had this barn and you know all the horses live like 17 horses actually we're a bit less now as a herd mm -hmm. so and sometimes when you're converting to a barn or track system this is something where people get worried about you know what if I want to take a horse away um, and that horse doesn't want to leave the herd so um, there's some stuff you can do for that as well so you know maybe you start off by taking them with another horse mm -hmm. out mm -hmm. yeah so when you're going out so they don't feel quite as alone and then we kind of wean that horse away as they get more confident right okay so you know either um as you're coming out you um have the other horse just hold back just a little bit and can we go a few steps by ourselves and then the other horse joins them mm -hmm. yeah so mm -hmm. that's if you have lots of horses and then we just like walk around the stable block and then go back to the herd yeah, mm -hmm. or then make that loop a little bit bigger every time. Yes. And then yeah. their reward is they're always coming back to the herd. And again, that could be used, we talked about this in the walkout when we talked about Rum's walking out, in that um, we found that he loved his walkouts, but he was getting lots and lots of reward. And then, of course, he was getting the jackpot on the way when he got home. Yeah. But actually, coming home, being with your herd mates was the reward, is a reward it's in itself. reinforcing, yeah. Um, so we now, we reward, reward, reward all the way on the walk until we get to the place where we turn around or do the loop. We give a jackpot halfway round and that's random. Yeah. And then we walk home and he has scratches and voice praise, but we don't use the food rewards. And that's revolutionised our walkout. So that could be something you could use for the napping horse, isn't it? And and the yeah, horses that, that, that are kind of rushing to get home. Um, you could you could use that to help. Yeah, exactly. And also, you could have um, some... We've used this method, and it's worked with some of our horses. So you could, um, like you said, have a jackpot at the point you want to get to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you, you start off with the jackpot quite close. So you're taking them away from the herd, maybe out of the field, um, and then uh, you're giving them a jackpot at the point that the destination point which mm. maybe is only a few meters away and yes. then you return back to the herd and then you make that destination point a little bit further mm. so we used a cone actually and it became the focal point of you just need to get to this cone then you have a big like jackpot and then you go back to your herd and that's all I'm asking of you today yeah. and then we go a little bit further and then a little bit further and then you just you just increase that duration, but always working while the horse is under threshold. Mm. And that, in a way, is a kind of easier 
It's Le- easier to work with the, the horse that's leaving, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think it, it is, is because you can't see the horse that you've left. So quite often you, you're, you're focusing, you know, you'll have eyes in the back of your head, haven't you? Because you're focusing on the horse, you, you're like leading away, who's yeah. happy to be led. But you've got to keep an eye on the horse that's stressing in the field. So yeah, that, yeah, that's exactly. kind of hard. But yeah, I um, get that. That really makes sense. And with the horse that you're leading away, you know, the better a relationship you have with that horse, the easier it's going to be to take that horse away from the herd because it's going to see you as like, okay, right, you're not horse, but I have loads of positive associations and we have fun (laughs) and, you know, and that they they want to go with you and they see you as that safety and that's it, Mm. is fulfilling that need for safety for them Mm. that we want to to help them with and that's like the underlying principle of any behaviors we come up against like trailer loading and stuff like that Mm. they're doing it with you so being creating relationships positive relationships are just so important because they will help you through so many problems and and you know and that doesn't have to be training that can be doing enrichment like I said that's walking a couple of steps with your horse stopping let him feed let him walk on a few more steps let him feed because that's how they would in their natural habitat Mm. and you're walking in time with them yes so because they kind of like they have this fellowship where they're kind of following people uh, they're following the other herd members so you're like imitating that Mm. basically Mm. okay what happens can you give any tips for the person on the livery yard because I have a lot of clients and they're on livery yards and they are what they've only got the one horse and of course it is not ideal for them and they know that but that is that's they're in that situation but their horse might be kept to next to a horse that they don't like or it might be kept to a horse that they do really like and then of course they're not always in the paddock together they're quite often separate at different times so you have they have to cope with stress yeah. that they can't control so what kind of tips I know it's not ideal and I know yeah. we can't completely solve it but what can we do to kind of help them well I mean you know it live it can be so such a hard life on a livery yard you know you I have know. this horse and you're like oh it's great I'm gonna do all of this stuff and you you're at a livery yard and you're like oh this isn't quite how I want to have my horse yeah there's a lack of control for so many people I've got a fantastic client at the moment she's on a waiting she's on a beautiful yard and this yard is spotless to the human eye Mm. it looks amazing but to the horse eye it's like a prison cells but but they to us you know to people it's like wow the stables they're all bars and they've got gold balls on the top (laughs) and the shavings are always spotless and the horse is like i don't and the drink they've got automatic drinkers so you know it's all this stuff which you know it's brushed beyond belief and you kind of to, to some humans, it looks amazing, but to me, it's like, oh my God, this is just awful for the horse. And the own, the owner who's at this livery yard, she's on the waiting list to go to like a farm type livery, yeah. which is rough and ready, as in, you know, they've probably got quite a few rats and cats and all sorts, yeah. but, but they have bigger stables, they have um, turnout with companions, you, they have it's so much better you know but the stables are a little bit hickledy pickledy and yeah everything else but it's it's less bling but so much better for the horse so she's at this waiting she's waiting on this waiting list and I just I just he's you know he's in the corner he can see other horses but he can't get to them he can't really smell them he can't reach them one goes he stresses out another one goes he doesn't stress out you know it's kind of really hard for those people so what tips can we yeah. give? Because we can't solve everything. No. But what can we do? To and help? also, I understand too well that these places can be really opinionated and judgmental um, in different ways of training. So, mm. you know, there's also that for the person to contend with as well, which is a whole another ball game. Like, that's, you know, difficult enough in itself. Um, so, I would say, you know, I would work on my relationship with that horse. I would become its hermit. I can't be there all the time, but if you're allowed to enrich a stable at all, I would certainly do that, even mm. if it's just chucking bits of food in the bedding so that you can walk, forage, eat, walk, couple more steps, forage, eat, you know, all that kind of stuff, just mm. to engage your seeking system will help. And we've got a really good 
episode on enrichment so check those actually two, two so check yeah. those out for some ideas yeah, yeah. absolutely um I can't remember which one it was but uh, <laughs> a long time ago mm. um so I would then personally work with my relationship and me becoming the herd member for this and so um because you can't change the turnout you can't change them being turned out with another horse so the next best thing is that you become the the positive person in that horse's life Mm -hmm. and you go through those steps again so can we just you know step out of the stable you know are we remaining under threshold or is that causing you stress the the real difficulty there is as well because the horse's needs aren't being met you are already working with a level of stress so that's why I would say I wouldn't clicker train it this bit because mm. with clicker training you have to be a little bit careful because if you're working with a stress horse and you're reinforcing behaviors you could also be reinforcing that stress mm-hmm. um, and it can actually like get conditioned yes, if the horse yeah. is feeling stressed and you're clicking reinforcing thinking mm. you're doing something else he then may condition that clicker to stress Yes, yeah, I the, see. the yeah. same physiological processes because we know like how our brains make these connections really, really easily, and they might not be anything threatening at all, but because the association is so strong and that neural pathway mm. is so strong, it then becomes so entrenched that it automatically lets off those physiological responses. You know, with the anxiety, the adrenaline, the cortisol, all these hormones being produced by just one because that neural pathway is so strong Mm. so um i don't use a clicker and i would use like the the jackpot so i would have a focus and say okay we just need to get to there and then you have a jackpot or we just get to there and then you get a bit of a forage or you know so there's something really good and then you know when you come back also in this situation i would say make sure there's lots of um enrichment in that stable because if you then go back put him in the stable and then leave then it becomes your separation anxiety from you separation anxiety from you but also um it's not a positive thing is it so Mm. it becomes negative punishment because you're taking yourself away you're the positive thing Mm. but also if they've got associations with that stable that are really bad as well that's positive punishment. So you're using punishment without knowing it. Right, yeah. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, it does make so, sense. Yeah, so making that stable, um, you know... The place to be. A place, the place mm. to be, which, mm. which, you know, we've had to do it with some horses that are on box rest and stuff. And luckily, you know, we're, we're quite good at making enrichment things yeah, <laughs> suited yeah. to the horse yeah um so yeah just to keep them busy and keep them them just thinking and stuff mm. but yeah it's it's, it's a tricky really, one it's just so hard it is so hard and i wanted to also touch on separation anxiety at the shows because again that's another thing mm. that i see and hear a lot of and unfortunately we've lost a year of shows or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, because I'm, you know, I'm not massively interested in shows, but it is a good experience for horses. It's an experience that sometimes they have to, they it might have in their if it's done in the career. Yeah, exactly. Right and yeah. a lot of horses, it's a very stressful situation being at a show. They're, they might be put under a lot of pressure. They might be having to leave the, you know, their hay net at the other lorry that they were quite happy with and be, you know, tacked up and brushed and ridden and maybe the oh the, the rider's quite tense so that's feeding through all that energy and I kind of wanted to take run to a few shows with I might have probably taken Patch who's kind of been there done it and was really mm. kind of yeah whatever because he would be so unimpressed with anything yeah, yeah. you know so he would be a good mate to have we were thinking of doing that last year. Obviously, we didn't because of COVID and, and, and the shows have, have, are just starting up again. But now I kind of think there's so much hijinks. You know, all the eventers that I know, they've started back showing. You know, they are coming out of that lorry on, on speed. You know, they are so out there. And I wonder whether that's quite hard for them because they've had a year of not really going anywhere and now they're off going everywhere every weekend and that's 
tricky and you can see that separation anxiety coming to coming up on that and we've even had I've been on a fun ride before and my horses have been tied up to the lorry just munching away and horses have broken loose and they will literally run to maybe not the next horse but they'll run down a couple of trailers find a horse they like the look of mm. I don't actually think they're doing it on that but they must feel a good vibe from mm. and go to that horse they've never met that horse before but they kind of have that separation anxiety at a show or at a fun ride and and they just need to be with one of their own yeah exactly because of that safety element which is their number one need mm. like that is what they're working towards they just want to be in a herd so like you said take a companion that's like the best thing you could do mm. is be able to take a companion I mean I wish I could say right this is how you do it and I'm going to solve all your problems but it's yeah just I mean from my like head that. I think if when we get to take rum I would pick and it, this is in an ideal world where you can pick yourself I would maybe even create a little show at a friend's place so at conquest for example yeah. would be perfect for me so yeah. i'll say right i'm coming to conquest i'm going to bring patch and i'm going to bring rum this is you know a new environment rum has been there before but let's say this is a new environment please can you not you know just set up a couple of things nothing to too massive maybe have a couple of people wandering around not doing a lot and then if we're happy with that then they bring in some of your low energy horses to just walk around as well yeah. and build it that way so and I know that is a really I'm very lucky in that I can create that scenario yeah but I'm sure horsey people generally have horsey friends most of us some of us I know really struggle and, and that is a difficult world um but it would be a good thing just phone a friend with a field and say you know can I just come along with my buddies on Sunday afternoon when there's no time constraints and, and you know you have your horse and we just maybe walk around some poles and do some figure of eights and then get back on the trailer and go and then mix it up a little bit yeah absolutely and also I think that slightly strays into another um, training area which is your traveling loading and you know once you've got your horse on board what you're going to do so what we did with run is um, started off by we took him with Flan didn't we yeah to conquest and it was just a hangout to start yeah, off with because yeah. that's the first thing if you haven't taken your horse out um you know if it's a horse for, with separation anxiety and stuff you don't want to then be asking stuff of them no. it's just like oh look you can just start creating those positive associations you if you have a horse um and then you have the another horse with separation anxiety that you are kind of training up it can also learn from that other horse right so mm. you can be competing with the other horse and the other you'd have to have two people there i've known people to come to conquest this is what's so lovely about conquest is that you know anything goes you can kind of do what you want and mm. um, that do just bring their horses to look yes <laughs> yeah at the competition they don't do anything with them it's just like just to get them used to that yeah idea. just come it up just and just tie great. them up yeah because as well like all those other horses that are there that are like ah, going mental as well. Obviously, they're picking up on that as mm. well. I had a, an inventor, um, not inventor, an endurance client who came to Conquest because his horse was absolutely fine during endurance, but when it came to the vetting, used to get really stressed out because of the other horses. He th he mm. thought. So he came to a, a pony club show jumping day oh. at Conquest because he knew. Quite often the pony club ponies are quite shut down. They mm. just are robots. They just do it. Mm. So he knew that there wouldn't be much hijinks from the other horses. And his horse could just stand around, walk around, you know, be in the warm-up area, just walking around, but just keeping calm. And it did help. So it's putting those time, that time in and that effort, isn't it? Again, of just building that building those scenarios and that environment and I suppose it's like taking I don't know what a good analogy it is for us but taking us and putting us in a completely different environment with a lot of really hyperactive people you know we would it would blow our brains a little bit and I think that's the what a show can be like for the horse you know you, you take yeah. them out to these shows and the, you know the horses are so high energy a lot of them are really really tense and tight and you know, there's not, 
there are some that are, yeah, I've been at here and I've done it before, but they're real veterans. You, you know, the show environment can be very stressful for the horse and very stressful for the human, and then that then can create even more. So I think yeah. the separation anxiety with that is, it goes kind of hand in hand. Really. I really like that, um, the idea, though, that you were saying about simply just taking a horse to another place where there might be other horses around but they the other horses are in their natural environment mm. and that being your starting block mm. like you know the competition is like the end goal yes so you know socializing and all that kind of stuff is really important mm. but doing it in a positive way and also you being the horse's anchor when yes. you get there yeah as well so taking your target and a massive bag of feed <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going it's okay can you so can, can you target yeah. can you do yeah. this um, so we did used to do uh, mini show jumping, which is all the little kiddies on the ponies doing little jumps. Yeah, River did it on Patch yeah, and yeah. Rosie. And <laughs> we used to. There was this lady that used to come on a massive draft horse, bless her. And you know, she she was a, an adult and stuff, but she was like, I'm just helping him get used to mm. it before we go any further. You know, which was really really lovely. And a lot of places like. At Conquest, for example, and if you go to competitions, you know, if it's your first time, take your horse out for a forage. Really good way mm. to see how your horse is coping is whether it actually does forage or not, or eat that gra- patch of grass or mm. whatever. You want them to be doing that. That is exactly what we want them to do. We don't want them to not be, to be so hypervigilant that they're not doing any of that. So just, yeah, and then just going up, keeping it short and sweet, and then going back home. Mm. Um, but companion is is obviously even you know just getting a little Shetland, <laughs> you know love little Shetlands. But just having something that anchor there for them is really important. Yeah, it is. But there's so many different scenarios, isn't there, where separation anxiety can happen? Mm-hmm. And you know, going back to what I was saying about Rachel Drasna, I think I think I've said that correctly actually. Now um, is that it starts with that comfort map at home figure out where your horse is most comfortable and then you know give your different areas traffic light systems and they can be the areas that you work towards yeah it's a really good it's really good idea that and i will say too if there has to be a vet visit and again you have to know your vets and have a good relationship with your vets which is really important so when flan went in to have his coffin joints injected and it was during the first lockdown i said I, I can't leave him he has to he can't he won't be on his own in the vets so I said right I'll have Patch Patch can go and they said well yeah. you know you'll have to pay for two stalls and I said well it doesn't matter I don't care Patch and actually they fitted in one stall fine because they're absolutely fine together but it was so important because normally I'm allowed to stay being a physio I've got a good relationship I'm allowed to be like play nurse for the day yeah. um, but most owners can't but if you know your horse is going to be in that situation it's really hard anyway we talk about the trust piggy bank you've just emptied that bloody trust piggy bank by taking them to the vets yeah you know they hate the smell the coat everything and then you've taken them away from their herd as well so take their buddy and and just say do you know what i know he doesn't really need to be there but actually he really does need to be there and it and it just made me feel a lot calmer and it made me feel a lot less guilty for flam that he had patched with him yeah absolutely i think you did the perfect thing for him there. Well, I did, but he wouldn't load in the lorry the next time because he was like, I'm not going in. <laughs> and he loads all the time. I mean, he's fine now, but, but again... That's it... quite common. Look at Topper. So Topper is um, an ex-race horse that's on livery at our yard and uh, he's a windsucker. You know, he's got... He's an ex-race horse. <laughs> so yeah. he's got quite a lot of stuff going on. And, um, and his owner, Kate's done a fantastic job with him, but he colicked in the field. And to be honest, I'm absolutely amazed that, I mean, we there was four of us holding him up and um, then we're just walking around, round, round, waiting for the vet. But I, I didn't think he was going to make it. And um, then he got put onto the trailer, went to the vet hospital and made it through. But now, sight of a trailer, that's it. Mm. Just absolutely yeah. loses it. Um, so, you know, knowing that that is something that is, un, you know, might happen again, mm. we never know, we have to start thinking about how, how can we rework on this, and that is all again about 
working below the thresholds. Okay, can yeah. we just be at a... What is the safest distance we can be from that trailer where you were not stressed? And that is your starting point. Mm. So observation, observation, observation of your horse is the most important thing to, to look at the stress signals. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. And actually, you know, we can do... Um, we should do more about this, about stress and stuff, signals. Okay. That'd be good. Okay. At some point. <laughs> so we're rounding that up for separation yeah. anxiety. Um, next podcast. So just just okay. to add, so just make a plan. Be proactive. Have your zones. I like the have traffic your light zones, zones. But have a really clear, consistent plan. Like I said, if anyone's experiencing this, Feel free to contact us. We've got plans. We can do Zoom. We can, you know, do whatever. But have a really clear plan so you know where you're working mm. from so that you're not sparking that anxiety mm. and work safely. And then you're going to stay safe as well. I mean, I, you know, I feel so safe in all my training now. I used to grow up being so fearful of horses that they yeah, were going to kill yeah. me because I didn't understand them, you know. And so you're going to keep yourself as safe as possible as well by working through these tiny little steps. Mm. And they will make a massive difference, won't they? Yeah, really? they will. You can see how they make a massive difference. Well, it's like kids, isn't it? You've got to nurture them. You've got to help them through their stuff and, and, and help them build resilience and, you mm. know, all that kind of stuff. If you want to have a horse that, you know, is, is resilient and is able to, to perform and live a long life. Yeah, and is happy. Yeah, ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So next week, we're going to talk about the mountain block. Oh, and we standing are. still. Yes. Yes, so it's behaviour, it's a behaviour training rather than a, yeah, a training behaviour rather than a behaviour. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's so the standing hill and the ma- many different ways of standing still and cueing stuff. Yeah, yeah. cool. <laughs> it sounds very like fluffy, doesn't it? It does. It's not fluffy. It does. It's not. <laughs> no, it, it shouldn't be. <laughs> if you'd like to make contact with either Kate or myself, you can contact us via Facebook. We are Little Green Stables or Ecological Positive Partnerships. Or you can check me out, Becky, on my website, www.littlegreenstables.com. We'd really like to make our podcast interactive. So if you have any questions or anything you'd like us to discuss, then that would be great. So send us a message either via our website or via our Facebook, Instagram and YouTube channels. Thanks. Bye bye.